Turn with me this morning in your Bible to Psalm 3. Just for today, maybe next Lord's Day, we dispense with our studies in the book of Philippians. We will resume it again in the middle of January. But for today, we're turning our attention to Psalm 3. On Thursday, I spent many hours at the kitchen table and I went over 118 texts of scripture and I wrote them all out by hand on a piece of paper. And out of that 118 verses, I settled on two. That was good. And this is one of them. Psalm 3, let's read God's word together. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him and God. Selah. The word selah means think about that. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Amen. We know that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading from Psalm 3. Now my text this morning is taken from Psalm 3 and the verse 3. It reads, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. And I want to set before you this morning what I've entitled, Timely Truce for 2018. Now I've already told you that this is one of two motto texts for the year. And out of those 118 texts, I've selected two texts which I believe set the tone for the new year and for the work of God that is before us. Now, let me put the text in the context. Because it's always important to set a text in its context 
if you take it out of its context, it become a, a pretext, and then it could be used to teach anything that you want to teach. In its context, Psalm 3 and 3, life at this time in David's life was hard and difficult. It was full of dark provinces. David had loads to struggle with. He was running from his son Absalom. That's why Psalm 3 was written. This is when it was written. If you look at the title, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. David, remember, was king over all Israel. He's now a, an old man. He's been on the throne for the best part of about 40 years. He's seen his family born around him. He has watched them grow up. He has helped to feed and educate them. And now one of his sons, a boy by the name of Absalom, a son that he loved and cherished, by the way, a good-looking boy with pulled hair, he had risen up against his father. This young man had embarked on a mission to take away the kingdom from David and to take the kingship for himself. Absalom had by stealth won the hearts of many and many had already pledged their loyalty to him. And of course Absalom himself was up for the murder of his own father. Now, now can you imagine being a father, a father to a boy, you raised a son, You've fed him, you've closed him, you, you've watched him grow up, you've helped him, you've taught him, trained him, you've educated him. And as he grows up, he grows up hating you. He grows up despising you. He grows up and wants you dead because of your love and your loyalty to the Lord himself. Now imagine in that context how you would feel. Imagine what you would think in your mind. Imagine the anguish that there would be in your own soul. One of your own flesh and blood wants you dead. On top of that, the right hand of the king was a man by the name of Ahithophel. And he turns against his king. He betrays his king. And he holds to the line, he propagates it openly, so that many take up the chorus, that there's no help or hope for the king, even in the Lord. Look at verse 2. Many there be which saith my soul, there is no help for him and God. And you've got the word Selah. Think about that. No help, no hope for him and God. Where was that um, lie uh, peddled from? It came from the mouth of Ahithophel, the king's hand. The right hand of the king. He propagated and peddled that lie. Now think of this rebellious son. Who's got the kingdom in his grasp. Picture now that he's ruling 
and reigning in Jerusalem. And David is running from Jerusalem for his life. Now this, of course, is a dreadful situation. A desperate time in David's life. And he is told by many in Israel, there's no help or hope for you and God. In other words, there's no way out of this situation. And it was against this dark backdrop, as David crossed, I believe, the Kidron Valley, fleeing from his life, that he uttered by faith these words of Psalm 3. And in that context, he said, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. Now as we face 2018, we have to say that the future is unknown to us. And life, of course, which is precious to all of us, and I trust that it is, that life at times can appear very hard. Because there will arise circumstances that are contrary to us, that we feel in and of ourselves we cannot overcome. I don't know what 2018 is going to bring for us individually or collectively. But I do know this, that life is full of dark provinces. And we will face physical afflictions. We will face days of doubts and fears. There will be times of uncertainty. There will be tears. There will be things that we can't handle. There will be difficult decisions. There may even be deaths. Now what can we do in such a distressing situation? Let me ask the question, will you and I have the faith to go on? The faith to hold on to the Lord, even when we're told that there's no help for us in God, that there's no hope for us in that situation, that it's an impossible situation. And it's impossible to plead with God because you cannot expect him to come to your aid. Even add into the mix, you're told you've sinned against him. And you feel and you think, this is my fault. Now, now that's the context. And in that context, are we going to be able to say in 2018, whatever unfolds with all its sorrows and joys, with all its delights and all its distressing situations, are we going to be able to say by faith, O Lord, thou art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. As David faced that distressing situation, as David was downcast about the future, here were three truths that helped to bolster his own faith in the Lord. And what I'm saying this morning is whatever we face in 2018, 
even if it is distressing situations, and we're downcast about the future, about ourselves, our circumstances and our situation, let's take these three truths to mind that will be used of the Lord to bolster and strengthen our faith in him. First of all, I want you to bolster your faith by thinking about that the Lord is the protector of your ways. The psalmist said, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Now notice the reference to a shield, young people. A shield is a piece of armour that's used for defensive action. You're a soldier in the battlefield and there's arrows being fired at you. Someone is throwing a spear at you or someone is attacking you with the sword. And in medieval warfare, the shield was used for defensive action. The word shield is used in the Bible 65 times. The, the first reference is in the book of Genesis. And of course it sets the tone for all that's to follow. In Genesis 15 and 1, the Lord said to Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And there's numerous references in the Bible to the word shield. I am thy shield, God said to Abraham, and thy exceeding great reward. And you see, I believe David knew about the life and times of Abraham. And no doubt he had the thought in his mind as he read the first five books of the law, thinking about this, what God said to Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And if the Lord is a shield for Abraham, then he can be my shield. And, and that's what he's saying. By faith, but thou, O Lord, art a, a shield for me. There's two types of shield. There was a long shield that covered the entire body that was very famously used by the Grecian army and also by the Roman army. And also there was a small shield used for defence, especially in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And of course the enemy comes to strike a blow, uh, whether it's with the, the sword or the spear or the arrow, and you could move that little shield to the left or right in very quick motion to defend yourself against the blows. But I want you to notice as you think of the words, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, bearing in mind the Lord is the protector of our ways. Notice the identity of the shield. <clears throat> but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. In other words, the identity of the shield is the Lord himself. The Lord is a shield to his people. The Lord Jesus Christ is the shield to everyone that trusts in him as Lord and Saviour. The Lord is the one, in other words, who can come alongside and protect his people, whether it's the whole of their person or whether it's in close combat with the enemy. From long-range attack of the enemy or even when the enemy is up close and face-to-face -face and, and, and the combat is hand-to-hand, -hand, the Lord is a shield. One of those 65 references is from Proverbs 30 and verse 5. 
The Lord is a shield to them that trust him. And I had asked this morning, who or what are you trusting in? If he's your saviour, and if you're shepherd and bishop of your soul, then he will also be your shield. And that's a big question. Is he your saviour? Is he your shepherd? Is he your shield in 2018? Certainly don't put your trust in men. Not even good men and godly men, because men are fallible. Men can let you down. And certainly don't put your trust in the church. Don't put your trust in religion. Don't put your trust in yourself. The best advice, the best counsel that we can give to young people is this. Put your trust in the Lord. Young people, do you know the central message of the Bible? If you turn over there to the book of Psalms, Psalm 118, here's bang smack in the middle of the Holy Scriptures. And you've got this message coming out. Psalm 118, verse 8 and 9. Here's the central message of the Bible now. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Who or what are you trusting in? Are you trusting in the Lord? The identity of the shield is very important. I want you to think also this morning of the Invisibility of the shade. You see, in this spiritual battle, in this spiritual warfare, you cannot physically see the shade. Our enemies are spiritual. The enemy of the Christian, the enemy of God, is of course the person of Satan. The enemy of God and the Christian is the passion of self. And self can often come to the fore. Remember, John the Baptist said, um, he must increase, I must decrease. The I must be bent to become a C. And of course, then there's the provocateur of sin. And Satan, self and sin are three of the big enemies. We could add into the mixed society, the anti-God, anti-Christian world that tries to squeeze us into its mould to get us to think and talk and act the way it does. And yet, even though we're in a spiritual battle with spiritual enemies, we have an invisible shield. We physically can't see it. Maybe at times we don't even sense it. But nevertheless, that shield is real. Remember in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, it's called the shield of faith. It's, it's have faith in God. Knowing him, believing in him, that he is, isn't he called Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Where is the Lord? He's at our right hand. He's beside us. He's behind us. He, he, he's in front of us. I, I think of the words of Hebrews 11 and verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must what? Believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And as you journey through 2018 with all its unknown, with all its uncertainty, with all that's going to unfold to us, it'll unfold many surprising struggles, folks. You remember, you have a shield. 
and that shield is the Lord. It's also an infinite shield because this shield, glory to God, can't be beaten or broken and it can't be burnt. The reality is that no man can fight against God and win. The reality is that the person of Satan, the, the passion of self, and the provocateur of sin, and even the uh, forces of society, uh, can't get at you uh, and can't attack you unless the Lord grants permission in his sovereign will and purpose. The God of the Bible, the God that we worship this morning, is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. I, I think of that lovely text in Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, David's son Absalom tried to kill him, wanted his father dead, and would have succeeded unless the Lord prevented it. And he wasn't allowed to. Because he couldn't do it unless the Lord allowed it. Unless the Lord willed it. And you see, David discovered that the Lord was the one who goes before him. David discovered that the Lord stayed beside him even when he was fleeing Jerusalem. The, the Lord was the one who was behind him. The Lord was the one who is with him. Think of what God said to Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And that was the covenant promise, not only to Abraham, but to everyone who would trust in the Lord. The psalmist could say, Thou art my hiding place and thy shield. I hope in thy word. It's also an invisible shield because this shield protects every aspect of the body. A soldier with a shield, a difficulty seeing the enemy coming, before him or behind him because he's behind the shield and the rain of arrows that's coming down the, the, the rain of blows of the sword the, the rain of the spear the, the shields of men of course at times can't hold up to that bombardment and, and the ability of the soldier of course comes into question and and uh, if he's maybe not skilled in the use of the, 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 the shield, then the enemy's blows could um, easily bring about his defeat and his demise. In fact, the story is told of one soldier fighting in a medieval battlefield and his shield had over 200 arrows um, uh, that had struck it and yet hadn't penetrated that that was one of Alexander's soldiers in the um, third century in the Grecian wars would you think this morning with me of Absalom he's rising up against David David's been told there's no help or hope for him in the Lord that he's finished that, that he's, he, he's, he, he's, he's going to be soon put to death and yet Absalom couldn't see the shield that was about David and he couldn't physically get at David unless the Lord allowed that. Remember what the Lord said to the devil, Hast thou considered my servant Job? He's one that feared God and hates evil. And I believe that made the devil really furious. 
And the devil then argued with the Lord, how, how can I get at him since you've put a, a hedge or protect him about him? Remove the hedge, take away the protection, let, let me at him, and then we'll see what he's made of, what, what sort of metal he has. And, and that's the thought. Take away the hedge. In this case of David, it wasn't a hedge, it was a, a shield. The Lord is our shield in the face of the enemy. Whether it's the person of Satan, or his minions of hell, or whether it's the passion of ourself that arises within us, or whether it's the provocateur of sin, or whether it's the presence and pressure of society, even when the law of God is thrown against us, that we have broken God's law, and we've sinned against the Lord, and we're, we're, we're branded as being guilty, even when, when death comes to take us away, we can say, the Lord is my shield, if you have faith in him. Can you see the identity of the shield this morning? Can you see how invisible it is? Nevertheless, it's real. It's an infinite shield because it's the Lord himself, and therefore it's invincible to the glory of God. Can't be defeated. No man can fight God and win. I want you to think secondly, and very, very quickly, and I have to move on. The Lord is preeminent in his word. If you look at the rest of the text, it says, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory. Now, now what does that mean, my glory? Remember what man's chief end is. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And the reality is that Oftentimes, kings and queens, princes, and those that are of the ruling elite, many of these men often seek their own glory. And they could never say in truth, thou art my glory. Think of the men in the Old Testament. Think of a man by the name of Sennacherib. He was the king of Assyria. He laid siege to Jerusalem. And in Isaiah 35, he, he boasted in all that he did. He was full of pride and full of self. He was motivated by vain glory, empty glory. And of course, we know what happened. One night, one angel slew 185,000 Assyrians. And Sennacherib, when he fled back to Assyria, one of his own sons killed him in a pagan temple by pulling down one of the idols that they worshipped on top of him. Think of Nebuchadnezzar. He was king of Babylon. He dreamt of a great statue one night. And uh, it was described by Daniel, it had a head of gold, it had a belly of brass, and it had legs of iron and feet of clay and iron. And Nebuchadnezzar was told the, the meaning of the dream and the interpretation. What did he do? Well, he built a statue of gold, pure gold, all of gold. And what did the Lord do? The Lord humbled him. And for years he, he like, was like an animal and ate grass. Think of Jezebel. How she used her pride to destroy God's men, to destroy religious and righteous men. Think of Absalom, his beauty, his hair, his speech, his actions. And yet we could go on and on multiplying names. The Lord brought them all down. They, they were full of wrong motivation. They, they had all set their mind on vain glory. They, they, they were full of themselves. They were full of their own glory, their own flesh. They, they, they were full of their own ability and power. And I want to say this morning, 
For those who are preachers, preachers should never boast of who they are or what they've done. They shouldn't be guilty. They should be shouldn't be guilty of self motivation, because if they are, the reality is their heart is not right in the sight of God. It gives an offence to Christ. It, it brings reproach upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Preachers should never glory in themselves. They, they shouldn't glory in others, whether it's their achievements or, or their actions. The psalmist could say, "My glory." In other words, the Lord was preeminent in his life. The Lord was the chief that motivated him. It was the Reverend George Whitfield that said, Let my name perish, but let the name of the Lord be exalted. We, we, we should glory in the Lord's person. If you turn over there to Psalm 24 this morning, look with me at verse 7 and 8. In Psalm 24, It says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. The question is asked, who is this King of glory? And here's the answer, the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. We should glory in his person. You see, only God is great. Oh, that we could understand that. In Psalm 18 and verse 35, another reference to the shield, which is a tie-in text to what I'm saying this morning. In Psalm 18 verse 35 we read, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden thee up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. You see, only God is great. So therefore we glory in his person. We glory in his presence. Because he says to his own, Lo, I am with you always. Isn't that tremendous? I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And even in the times where we're screaming out of the top of our head, Where are you, Lord, in the context of our situation? Because we can't feel him or sense him. Let's remember by faith, we have his promise. His promise is true. Therefore, his presence is with us. And we, we glory in that presence. We also ought to glory in his power. Remember in Psalm 19, we read, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork day unto day, utter his speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. The, the glory of creation. And we can think of what God has did. But we also glory in the wonder of redemption, centered in the personal work of Christ, centered in the blood atonement. When we begin to think of what God has done, then we have to, um, if you add into the mix here in Romans chapter 11, the Apostle Paul had been expounding the doctrine of justification and uh, the, the wonder and glory of that. And then he said in uh, Romans 11 and verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out and then he adds in verse 36 for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever amen 
It was the Apostle Paul that said in Galatians 6 and the verse 4, he made a tremendous statement. Galatians 6 and in the verse 14, rather, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. That in itself is a tremendous statement. Because you've got the meaning of the cross there. You've got the message of the cross. You've got the, the mirror of the cross. You've got the marks of the cross. The world is crucified unto me. I have died unto self. I've died unto sin. Why? Because the Lord is my glory. And I'm experiencing the power of God in his redemptive merits. The glory in his promise. It's a wonderful thing to get a word from the Lord. A word that we believe is true. A word that we can hold on to in dark days and in difficult times. A word for every day. A word for the next week. A word for the next month. A word for the next few years. All that we face. Think of David fleeing from Jerusalem for his life. Full of fear. I'm going to be done to death at any moment. And yet he got the Lord's word. The Lord's my shield and the Lord's my glory see David could search his heart he was on the throne to glorify God his rule and reign was to glorify God let me ask the question this morning who or what do you glory in what what captivates you and me what what thrills and fills your heart and your mind doesn't the Bible say where your treasure is, there your heart will be also? Is your heart in the Lord? Is it in the Lord's cause and the Lord's work? 100%. Can, can you say this morning of the Lord, my glory, that he's preeminent in his word? That's what you think about. Because that's a great truth to take into your mind. So that in all that we do, even eating and drinking, we will do this. To God's glory. I'll attend the services to God's glory. I'll attend the prayer meetings to God's glory. I'll read the scriptures to God's glory. I'll say no to sin to God's glory. I, I live for God's glory. And then the passions of self that arise up, we'll we, we question our heart. Not only what we're doing, but why am I deciding this? Why am I going down this path? I'm doing this to glorify and honour the Lord. We need to finish the third timely truth for 2018 is this. The Lord is the promoter of his word. Look at this little bit as we finish in Psalm 3. Look again at the text and notice it says there, and the lifter up of mine head. Think of David's head, the lifter up of my head. As he goes out of Jerusalem, his head isn't high. His head is bowed down. He's looking to the earth. Remember the psalmist said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. Why had he to lift up his eyes unto the hills? Because his eyes were down in the ground. They were on the earth. David's head was bowed, I, I believe, because of sin. David had committed sin. He'd been guilty of murder. He'd been guilty of adultery. He'd been guilty of lies. He'd been guilty of getting a man drunk. He'd, he'd broken the, the law of God. And because of his sin, his head was bowed down. He, he couldn't smile. 
His countenance was affected. He felt he was weak and powerless. And yet he could say by faith, I'm the lifter up of mine head. How did he lift up his head and look into the face of God? Well, he confessed his sin. Psalm 51, one year after he had sinned, roughly. And tie into that Psalm 32, a tremendous message about uh, seeking God for forgiveness. Blessed is the man whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. <coughs> David's head was bowed down because of sorrows. It was bowed down because of struggles. Life was hard. Difficult. The situation was hopeless. And yet, even though his head was cast down, it was the Lord that lifted up his head. Lifted up to the place of assurance, the place of comfort, the place of blessing, the place of honour. And let's remember this morning, as you go through 2018, if your head's bowed down because of sin and you have sinned against the Lord then you need to confess that you need to repent you need to get right with the Lord if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and our head will be bowed down because of sorrow we'll feel like Charles Atlas the world is upon our shoulders and our heads will be bowed because of struggles life will be hard and difficult situation will seem hopeless there's, we'll tell ourselves at times the devil will whisper in our ear there's no help for us in the Lord and in those times you need to remember the Lord is the lifter up of mine head and if the Lord lifts us up he does so in grace and he does so in goodness to be a blessing to us to be a help I trust this morning as you think of 2018 that we'll be enabled by the Lord to remember these timely truths and you look to the Lord as your protector you look to the Lord as the one who's preeminent in your life and you look to the Lord as the one the only one who can promote the lifting up of your head and look into his face think of the publican in the temple he smote upon his breast. He wouldn't lift up his eyes and look in the mercy seat. What did he say? God be merciful to me the sinner. And when we take the humble place. The place of brokenness. And come before the Lord with our sin. And cry out. Then I believe in that context. The Lord. Has said to this man. Will I look to him that is poor. And who is contrite in spirit. And who trembleth. At my word. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you this morning.